I'm in a series today called Warfare, and if you have a Bible or an iPhone or iPad, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10. You know, every single day, good and bad is something that we all face. It's a struggle, the kingdom of God versus the world system. The world system's going one way. The kingdom of God, of course, is pronounced in another way. There is a spiritual realm. There is a physical realm, ladies and gentlemen. But I want you to know, spiritual warfare is simply these foundational things. It's resisting overcoming and defeating the enemy's lies. And Satan is a liar, and he constantly is telling you and I and using whatever tactic and whatever strategy he can to get us into deception, to get us into temptation, or to get us into accusations that will destroy you and I and actually hurt us and hinder us. But, you know, we have the power, we have the ability to not only deal with these things, but to be strong in the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says here in Ephesians 10, look what he says here. He says, finally, everybody say finally. I think this is interesting. When you read the six chapters, and I encourage you to do this of Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 6. I mean, there's so much revelation. There's so much impartation that is flowing through these uh, verses, especially till you get to this. And then he says, finally, and I just think it's interesting because the Apostle Paul had such an intimate personal relationship with the Lord. And he uses his words, finally, he says, to, my, to, to the brethren, to us is, is the family of God. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Notice what it says. It says, be strong in the Lord. So that means just that you and I can be weak in the Lord. And I have met a lot of people in the ministry that I've been in now for 35 plus years that have a serious weakness in the Lord. And I think that the reason they do is they are beat down spiritually. They're beat down emotionally and they're actually beat down physically because they don't understand how to war. Their warfare is not, as it says right here, with flesh and blood. Let's continue on. It says, be strong in the Lord and the power, babe, say the power. The power of his might, verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God, which we're going to do in just a second, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies. Everybody say strategies. Because I think that's the key thing. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. But why do you put it on? Because you're able to stand against the strategies of the enemy. And we're going to break that down in just a moment, in just a second. Notice what it says here. It says, again, in verse number 12, I mean, verse number 11 again says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Verse number 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Notice that. So your enemy, my enemy, is not flesh and blood. It's not a person. It's not a platform. It's not a position. It's not this, that, or the other. It says it's what? It's against principalities, powers, against the the rulers of darkness. Notice what it says. Let me read it again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. And what is wickedness, ladies and gentlemen? It's the twisting of truth. And it says in the heavenly places. And then it says in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Withstand or stand. That means it's a place of victory. Withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore. For with what? You're girt about with the truth. This is the armor of God, having the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation, the gospel of peace. And verse 16, it says, above all, everybody say above all, 
Above all, notice this, taking the shield of faith that you may be able to quench these fiery darts, these things that are coming at you, these lies, these, these things that are attacking truth. And it clarifies it in verse 17 where it says, and taking the helmet of salvation, which is what? Guarding your mind from these things. Because Satan is going to be pouring and pushing everything he can towards your mind to get you thinking opposite of truth, opposite of peace, opposite of freedom, and to get you into a place of decision to get you a place into accusation and from accusation into temptation. And when you yield to temptation after a point of time, you start giving up. And when you start giving up, you start yielding to things you know that are not right. And then you get in a place of frustration and aggravation and confusion. And then it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, a chain reaction of defeat. But notice what he says. He says, above all, you take this shield of faith where you'll be able to quench these things, stop these things. And notice what it says. It says, the fiery darts of who? The wicked one. Didn't say a people. It said of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which we're going to clarify in just a minute. So the first thing I want to talk about is being strong in the Lord. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. This clarifies it even more. Again, this is from the Apostle Paul's point of view. And uh, again, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice what it says in verse number 3. Uh, yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10. Let me get over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. I encourage you. You know, you can read these on the screen. But listen, if you want to be a proficient in anything you have to do in life, you've got to practice, practice, practice. And I'd encourage you to get these things, not just me reading them, but get these things down in inside of you. If you get these weapons inside of you, it's hard for you to be defeated. I'd like to say it like this. It's impossible for you to be defeated. Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. Watch this now. Here we go. It says, we, even though we walk in the flesh, what does it say? We do not war according to the flesh. Notice that. Let's read it together. For though we walk, come on, read it there with me. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, so remember, we're not fighting this thing in the physical, okay? These things that are coming against you, by the way, your husband, your wife, your family members, politicians, your job, your boss, this, that, and the other, they're not your enemy. Your dog, your cat, your neighbor's dog or cat, they're not your enemies, okay? Notice what it says here. It says what? The, even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, but they're mighty in God. They're mighty. They're mighty in who? In you? No, it says mighty in God for what? Pulling down strongholds. And, oh, we're going to get to it just so I don't want to get ahead. Verse number five says, casting our arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God or the word of God. These thoughts that are coming to you. And Satan's attacking your mind. He's not a physical being, okay? I don't think anybody in here has had Satan manifest at him. And I know you think, well, he, looks, he has a, a pitchfork and a knife or what do you see on Halloween? You know, a tail and all that. That's not him, Okay. He's, he's a being we don't see, but he is a being that we have to deal with. And he's a being that's alive in this earth. And until the judgment comes, we have to contend with him. But do we run from it or run towards it? I like what King David did when he was a young man. He ran towards the battle. He didn't run from it, even though the giant was bigger than he was. Notice what it says, casting down the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, everybody say bringing, bringing, what it says, bringing every thought into captivity to who? The obedience of Jesus Christ. And you and I can do that. It's a daily battle. 
And it says in verse 6, being ready to punish all disobedience when your own obedience is fulfilled. There's, an, there's, a, there's things that we have to do. And number one is simply be strong in the Lord. You know, strength in the Lord comes from a relationship with the Lord. Just like in marriage. Strength in Sheila and I's relationship comes through two things, communion and communication. The more we do not communicate, the more we do not commune. When I mean commune is, you know, interact with one another. The more we separate and distance ourselves, what happens after a period of time? There's division. There's misunderstanding. There's a miscommunication in the fact that, you know, we're not, we're not connected. We're not on the same page. And it's with any relationship. And if you don't have that with the Lord, you're going to get bitter towards him. You're going to say, well, I don't know what he's doing, and he doesn't love me, and you get into this self-pity. How many of us fight that? We all fight that every single day. But I'm telling you what strength in him sometimes comes when you can read the Bible. I like reading it out loud. I like sometimes like going to bed. If not, I'll do this probably 99% of the time. I go to sleep listening to the word of God because it's supernatural. I let it build my faith. I let it speak to me. And um, as a matter of fact, this year I've just about gone through the entire New Testament at night just listening to it. And just letting it over and over. And then my own relationship with the Lord is the most important relationship that I have. Because I know if I'm going to be a good husband and I'm going to be a good father and if I'm going to be a good family member and a pastor, et cetera, et cetera, that strength in my life comes through my relationship with him. Not because Sheila makes me feel good. You know, that's the thing I struggle with. Right after I got born again, we were writing these songs in these studios and the, I was working in, and I was making the transition to go, you know, into the Christian life, you know, as far as, you know, into the ministry itself. And I'm like, I'll never forget telling my friend, I said, man, these songs are all about either how a woman has done me wrong or how she is the, the strength of my life, that I can't live without her and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, Man, you know, the Lord is the strength of my life. I mean, I love, I, you know, even though I was just 19 years old, I'm thinking, one day I'm going to get married, but she's not, she's not going to be what makes me who I am. You know, what makes me who I am is Jesus. He's the one that saved me. And number two, he's the one that made me. And number three, he's the one that gives me supernatural strength. Yes, I'm going to love a woman one day. And I did. I found her on September the 16th, 1995. I married her. But the strength of my life doesn't come from my, oh, I hope she treats me right. I hope she does this or my dependency on her. And uh, anyway, I don't know why I'm going back in time. But I said, you know, enough's enough. That's what I actually my song writing days began to come to an end because I'm thinking, I'm not going to write about cheating and I'm not going to write about codependency. I don't know what else to write about (laughs) as far as songwriting goes. Anyway, and they sure didn't want to, you know, uh, at that time in 1980, um, 1983, Christian lyrics were not really popular. So that was the end of my songwriting days. But hey, I chose the ministry and God's calling. And I said, you know what, instead of filling my, because I was concerned that the music that I was playing was affecting people. It was sad. It was depressing and discouraging to people. Even though I was working with Kenny Rogers and I thought, man, he's a real positive guy. But even, you know, the gambler and all these kind of songs, I'm thinking, eh, this is not really helping people. You know, it's just country music. And uh, anyway, I don't know why I got on that. But, you know, music leads to thoughts, and thoughts leads to actions, and actions leads to reality, does it not? And I'm sitting here making music that people are listening to, and it's affecting them. And so anyway, uh, that's my little deal about country music. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, but notice what it says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And a daily relationship is so important with the Lord. As a matter of fact, our whole theme in this church is about one mission statement. That's for you to have a knowing, growing relationship with the Lord. Not to know about the Lord, but to know Him. As a matter of fact, on Wednesday nights, we're having just a four-week class called The Invitation. And it's simply just a class and a partnership that we have with the Navigators Ministry to help people have a growing relationship with the Lord. For you that are watching and for you that are participating here in the auditorium with our JG service, I encourage you to continue doing that because Jonathan is doing that. However, we're teaching people in this class just for our four-week, and you can join us via Zoom. You can contact the church or me via Facebook or whatever social medium social media platform to get in contact with me with because the invitation is simply a workshop that helps you to have a a real quality relationship with the Lord. That's the most important thing. If you will have 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, whatever whatever you can, to have a relationship with him, to meet with God, then I think you're going to be strong enough to fight anything in your life. That's just my observation and my position as a pastor. In this invitation, in this thing that we're doing, this, this, this workshop-type deal, this class, uh, let me just share these points with you. You walk away with a fresh motivation to meet with God daily. You'll have biblical foundation to do this. You will discover how God wants to develop a closeness and a communication with you. You will learn to apply the practical tools on how to actually meditate on the Scriptures. And then you will learn how to enhance your prayer life to a place where you're not just in a monologue, but you're in a dialogue. Isn't that awesome? Hearing God's voice. And so we're going to be promoting that more and more. We'll keep doing that and rotating that class over and over and over. Because I, I, as a pastor, as a senior leader, I want more than anything for you to have a knowing, growing relationship with you. Not just being born again, but to know the Lord in an intimate way. And if you felt like your relationship with him is hindered or been distracted for whatever reason, and you've had some hard times with that, I want to help you get to a place where you're moving forward with him. Hurts and disappointments. And, and yes, all these kind of things can, you know, bring you down. Even the music you listen to. I don't know why I'm talking about music today. Music's powerful, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're listening to music that's pulling you down, you got to be weary of it, okay? I mean, I'm serious about that. It's a powerful thing, music is. I know. I still play the drums every single day. I still rehearse. Every, I don't know what I'm practicing for other than I'm learning things that I'm, you know, I wanted to learn all these years, and now they're coming back in my hands. As a matter of fact, my chiropractor said, your wrists are stronger than a 16-year-old's. I said, yep, they sure are. <laughs> And I don't know why, and I'm getting faster and more proficient on that instrument. But Kenny Rogers has passed away, so I can't be with him again. Anyway, (laughs) my point with all this is get these things putting into your life and your environment as far as where you are that are strengthening you, not pulling you down. And music's a powerful thing. There's a lot of good music out there that'll build you up, okay? And we we, we do it every here. We have it every here, every Sunday here at Metroplex Family Church. And I appreciate the comments from people out there that are watching that talk about the quality of the music we have here as well as in the auditorium, as well as communicated via technology. I am thankful for all that because that helps build that quality relationship with with the Lord, having an enhancement of worship and peace. I'm telling you what is powerful. Developing confidence in God's power. Put up there, if y'all don't mind, Psalm 91, verses 1 through 2 in the Amplified Bible. Watch this. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 2. This is in the Amplified Bible. Notice what it says. He who dwells in the shelter or dwells in the secret place, one version says, 
of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. When you get this confidence, when you're strong in the Lord, there comes a place when you know that no foe or no enemy or no thought or no thing that's pressuring you or pushing you is greater than the God that's for you. And you get to that place, I'm telling you, you can win battles over a period of time. It may not seem like you're winning at the moment. It may not seem like the battle is going the right way. You may seem like I'm losing. But it says right here, he who dwells in the secret place with the Most High shall remain stable. You'll be fixed under the shadow, the power of your Father God, whose power no foe can withstand. you got to remember something. Your Father loves you. Your Father God loves you. And He's Almighty God. i never forget when I was a revelation. I had a revelation of this. I was about the age of Dave's son right here in front of me. I was at a, a little convenience store down the street from my house. And I was, you know, I was young and dumb. Hello. Anyway, I just saw this bubble gum and, um, in this, in this, in, and it was right there in front of me. And I just reached in and put it in my pocket, okay? And man, that guy came around the counter and he was scolding me and calling me a thief and, and a whole bunch of things. And my dad was on the other side. And all of a sudden, my daddy came around here. And this is the time when my dad was like six foot two. And he was a big man then. He played football as a center. And he was, he was a coach also. He was a big man. And uh, anyway, he came around here and he literally took me by one hand. He picked me up like that and put me around him. He said, you got anything to say to this boy? You say it to me. I was like, wow. <laughs> he said he didn't understand. And he said, I'll buy anything that he puts in his pocket and I'll pay double for it. But don't you ever say anything to my son about being a thief because he is no thief at all. And if you want to talk about other things about my son, we'll step out here and I'll go put him in the truck. I'm thinking, yeah, and your dog too. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> I felt pretty big, a little five-year-old guy. Anyway, because my father was in charge at that moment. And my father, listen, I wasn't going to steal no bubble gum. As a matter of fact, I thought, David, listen, when we went in the store, you just grabbed everything and threw it on the counter because, you know, Dad's going to pay for it and Mother's going to pay for it. That's the way it worked when I was growing up. Listen, they, they were El Shaddai. Even though I wasn't born again, they were the, the people that had more than enough to pay for it all, Right? And so, and that's just the way your father is. No thing that is formed against you and no weapon that is standing against you can withstand the power of the God that's for you. But you've got to be strong in that. If you let the world beat you down and tell you that you're insignificant, that you're a nobody, that this God that you serve can't do what he says he can do, I'm telling you what, back off and back away because God will show up and show out, in my opinion. He is faithful to do that. And can I have an amen? <laughs> you say, well, Pastor Brian, he hasn't showed up and showed out lately. Hey, listen, sometimes his clock's not your clock. Sometimes his time's not your time. And sometimes he is doing things as a major son. As a matter of fact, when things have gone the worst in my life, then all of a sudden the season while I'm going through that or the time in that, there's the biggest breakthrough on the other side. I, I, that's just the way I look at it. And the older I get and the more I experience this as I continue to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and remain stable and fixed, not in my power, but in His power, I'm telling you what, then His mighty hand delivers us. Okay, the number two. Notice what it says, putting on the whole armor of God. Turn to the book of Joshua. You say, how's the armor of God in the book of Joshua? Look at this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. God is instructing Mo, uh, Joshua here to take over for Moses. And look what he says here to him, this outstanding, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 
number seven. Notice what it says here, Joshua 1, 7. And this is talking about, this is number two, putting on the armor of God. It says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law, the word of God, or to the commandments I gave my servant Moses. Do not turn from the right hand or the left hand that you will prosper. Everybody say prosper. Prosper in the way you should go. Now notice verse number eight. It says, this book of the law or the word of God shall not depart out of your what? Your mouth. Hello. There's power in your words, but you shall meditate or think about it or keep it in your mind day and night. Notice what it says that you observe to do according to all this written in, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. What's it saying? Putting the word of God first place or putting the armor of God on daily. I'm telling you, we got to get dressed physically, do we not? You don't go outside your door to your work in your underwear and your pajamas. If you do, you're in trouble. <laughs> So anyway, you got to dress spiritually too. We're going to get back to Ephesians, but notice what he says. He says, when you do this, you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. How many of us want good success in life? I know I do. I know you do in every area. Whatever we're dealing with, we don't want to be failures. We want to be successful. But notice verse number nine. It says, have I not commanded you? Hello, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is what? He's with you wherever you go. And this was spoken to a man that didn't have the Holy Spirit. You and I have the Spirit of God inside of us. And I think this is such a powerful thing to know that if God is with us, if I am strong in Him, if I'm taking courage in Him, if I'm not going to be afraid because I belong to Him, then what is he, what's, what's, what's for me is the fact that my God is with me. He's with me. He's with me. And when He's with me, nothing is going to destroy me. That's the way it is in my life, and that's the way it should be. But if you're not building yourself, if you're codependent on people and money and, and this, that, and the other, I'm telling you what, that is not a way to live a peaceful, powerful life, in my opinion. My codependency is not upon what Sheila can do for me. My codependency is on the love of God that I had through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Yes, I love my wife, but daily, every single day, if not multiple, multiple times during the day, I send her a text or whatever. I say, what do you need? Is there anything? I can do for you. Because it's not about what you can do for me. It's about what I can do for you. Because if I make something happen for you, God makes something happen for me. Boy, this is pretty good preaching this morning, Pastor Brian. I'm so glad I came. <laughs> it's true. It's true. How about this armor of God? Let's look at it quickly. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Notice what it says here. Ephesians chapter 6. Going back to it. It outlines it here, the Apostle Paul. And by the way, I could do a whole message on this, but I'm just going to take it just for the time when we got here, just a moment here, just to look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, notice what it says in verse number um, 14. It says what? Having girded your waist with the truth, that means wearing a belt, having a belt on. That means you don't want your pants falling down spiritually, okay? And how many kids are either, how many, how many Christians either had their pampers on or they got their pants down? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I mean, it's, 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 I'm not trying to be funny here or cute, but yet at the same time, most Christians that I know that are basically outside this church, it amazes me, you know, how they're letting a disease 
dictate their life, how they're letting politics dictate their life, how they're letting the economy dictate their life. My life focus is not about this, that, or the other. It's about the kingdom of God coming, the will of God being done, leaders come and go. I've been reading the Old Testament. It amazes me how many leaders come and go, how many of them stand against God, and we can't even find their graves today. And guess who's still here? God Almighty. And his, did, did he fall off his throne because something bad happened in your life? Absolutely not. Did somebody die? Well, you say they died in, in their premature, you know, they were young, and I, I hated that too. But if they knew the Lord, they went to heaven. And they went to heaven, and they're not sick anymore. And if they went to heaven, they sure don't want to come back here. Because what's up there is far greater than what's up here. Don't be afraid of going to heaven. I want to live a long, strong, healthy life. I'm looking forward to heaven when, I'm, when it's time to go at 100 plus or when Jesus comes back. And I'd like for him to come back soon. But until he comes back, I'm going to keep taking this stand in the armor of God. Withstanding in the evil day. And every single day is evil. Because every single day is the day the Lord has made, but Satan is doing his best every single day to do three things. Kill, steal, and destroy. Notice what it says here. Put on this belt, which is an, which is an, which is an offensive weapon. Number two, put, the gospel, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Cover your heart. Cover your heart. Protect your heart in the Lord. Number three, notice what it says as far as this armor. Verse number 15, it says, Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means the peace of God is going forth before me. I am, I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going forth every single day of my life, walking to choose the peace of God as a pathway before me. Notice what it says in verse number um, 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, not the shield of fear, the shield of worry, the shield of faith. Let's say it, the shield of faith. Everybody with me? The shield of faith, which does what? It quenches these fiery darts, these accusations, these thoughts that are coming towards me. And towards you and I. And then notice what it says here as far, and that's an offensive weapon also. And then it's, I mean, that's a defensive weapon. And then the helmet of salvation, as it says right here, is, the, is, a, is a defensive, is a, excuse me, is a defensive weapon against all those thoughts. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What does it mean by the sword of the Spirit? You're talking about a physical sword, Pastor Brian? No, I'm talking about the Word of God coming out of your mouth. Every single day, I speak God's Word over me. Uh, specifically on healing and health and specifically on worry and fear. I just, every single day, I just talk certain things and speak certain things. Do you say that is your words powerful? No, it's his words that are powerful, not necessarily mine. But the, the words coming out of my mouth, which are his words, are like a sword to my enemy. Every single day because I put the boundaries up of my life over my family, over you as a church family, over us concerning the things we deal with. And I let it be a sword to the enemy. We can't fight Satan with flesh. We can fight him spiritually. And you know one of the greatest ways to run the devil out of your life is to speak God's word. Let that be the sword of the spirit coming out of your mouth, not words of fear. I tell you, one of the greatest things I learned spiritually at the beginning of my onset with the Lord was to shut my mouth if I couldn't say the right thing or the righteous thing. The best thing was to hold my peace, to hold my composure, and to speak faith and not fear. And that has changed my life. And these dressing of this, of this armor every single day is not just something that, you know, I do every now and then. I'm specific about it because I believe you're supposed to dress naturally. You're supposed to dress spiritually every single day. 
And every day there's going to be something coming against you. The only way that you're not going to have anything... Well, hold on. Even if you set yourself in a room all by yourself and cut the light off and it's all dark and you didn't speak to anybody for 24 hours, you're still going to have your mind and your mind's going to be depressed because you're in a dark room, is it not? So every day there's going to be something coming against you that's wrong, that's evil. But what do you do to combat that? Cut on the light. Cut on the faith. Cut on absolutely the power of God. Everybody say the power of God. Cut on the power of God. Let God, listen, let somebody preach to you. Man, I found a video last night with Billy Graham talking to um, Larry King. You know, he passed away this week. And, uh, you know, I've seen interviews with him before, but it was Dr. Graham talking about heaven, talking about eternal life. And Dr. Graham just laid it out there. It was so awesome. He was talking about heaven and the awesomeness of heaven. And we've got family members and friends, but he was talking about heaven right now. He was talking about living in the peace of God, knowing that God's kingdom was there, but he said God's kingdom is here. And I'm telling you what, Larry King, he was almost off his stool into Billy Graham's face. This is for COVID, you know. They were almost kissing one another. I'm thinking, man, you know what? That's what I want in my life. I want people to see the Lord Jesus Christ inside of me. I want them to know that when I'm not when I'm talking and bragging on the Lord, I am glorifying Him. Hallelujah. I'm his greatest cheerleader, even though I don't have the body of a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader girl. Anyway, moving right along. Notice what it says. Finally, it says that number three, we're to first be strong in the Lord. Number two, to put on the armor of God. And number three, to stand firm. Everybody say stand firm. Stand firm against the plans of the enemy. John 10, 10, quickly, John 10, 10. What are the plans of the enemy? Well, Satan has an agenda and God has an agenda. John 10, 10. Notice what it says here. John 10, 10. It says the thief, everybody say the thief. Thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So every single day you wake up, Satan has that agenda for your life, all right? And he said, well, well that's okay. Well, well, notice what Jesus said, though, in the rest of that verse. We can quote the first part. Let's quote the, verse, the last part. And what did Jesus say? Everybody read it with me. I've come that you might have what? Life and have life more abundantly. So that's God's plan for your life, okay? Turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, I think they're going to run that in the Amplified. Y'all run that in the Amplified. Watch this. God has a plan for your life, and his plan, I like this in Jeremiah 29, 11. Thank you so much for getting this on the screen. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and for good, for peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final income. God has a good plan. Everybody say, God has a good plan. And it says your final income is not to be death. I mean, listen, folks, I understand people die that love the Lord and they die of sickness. I mean, I'm seeing that all, basically all the time. But it does not change the fact that God is good and God did want that person to live a strong life and a long life. Remember what I had to do? I had to settle it. I had to settle in my own heart, in my own life that God is good and he wants people to live a long, strong, successful life, even though people around me have died prematurely. Does it change what I believe? No. Does, I, does it hurt me when somebody dies prematurely or goes through a, a situation that's wrong? Of course it does. I'm disappointed like you are. But it doesn't change this, that God has a good plan for my life, and that plan is for, notice what it says, to give you hope in your final income. That means the older you get, the better you get. That means you're not to, you know, start out and move towards victory and then end up sort of halfway making it. Oh, no, no, no. And, but you've got your responsibility. You've got your part to do. 
Most people don't, you know, accept the responsibility. My dear friend, my music friend last year, I mean, loved him dearly. We traveled this nation together. We did recordings together. But I just could not, could not get him to take care of his body. Even though he was strong and healthy, he's a bigger guy than I was, he just insisted on doing some things that were not right for his body. And it cost him. I mean, he was diagnosed, and four months later, he was gone. At 60 years old. At 60 years old. And I told his family, that was not God's will, that was not God's plan, and that was not the purpose of God for his life. And I stand by that today. You know why? Because the final outcome was dictated by him, not by the Lord, because he refused to take care of himself. Listen, we've got a part to do. And if we'll do our part, God will match our part. Discern the tactics of the enemy. As a matter of fact, it's New Year's. How many of you started out with New Year's goals? Okay, don't even raise your hand. You started out, man, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm exercising every day. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm going to be nicer to my husband, my wife, my dog, my cat. I'm going to be better on my job. I mean, you had it all. I mean, listen, I'm going to save money. I am only going to get at Whataburger, this, that, or the other, okay? I am going to discipline. I am, instead of Starbucks, I am following Richard, and I am going to go get only a certain amount of cup of coffee. And you started out, and then you blew it, okay? You went to Whataburger, and you got everything, okay? Including the chicken strips and the large fries, okay? But you got a Diet Coke, so you're feeling all right about it, Okay? And man, you've been on a diet, but you've gained more pounds in the last two weeks than you've had in November or December, right? What do you do with those goals? What do you do with those things? Do you give up? No, no, no. Satan knows how to play it. Satan is the master of every January, letting people start out. Man, they're feeling good. It's January the 1st, January the 3rd, and then January the 10th, and it rained, and it's got cold weather, and I don't want to go to the gym. And you know what? Oh, that person is calling me. Oh, my God gosh, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to the gym right now. I just can't do it. I, I, listen, I, listen, I can't go to the gym right now. Uh, my cat is having a panic attack and I need to make sure that my cat's all right. I'll join you at the gym later, right? And that's what happened. You got good intentions, but did Satan knows to do that. You've got to learn what George Patton did, the famous general. You've got to understand your enemy and know that he's going to attack you with the same patterns at the same place at the same time. And if you've got a weakness in one area, he's going to attack that area, not your strengths. And when you learn to discern, everybody say learn to discern. When you learn to discern where the battles are coming in, then you stand strong in that area. Just for example, if you have a problem with alcohol, the last place you want to go is to a bar. You say, Pastor Brian, I don't have a problem with alcohol. Okay, well, if you don't have a problem with that, do you have a problem with something else? I mean, whatever it is, he's not going to attack your weakness. He's, I mean, your strength, he's going to attack your weakness, and he's going to major on that weakness. But if you learned <laughs> what George Patton did, he did two things to make him a successful general. Number one, he was aggressive. Number two, he would not let anyone down his watch. That means we were going to keep moving forward, and we were going to continue to fight he was aggressive, and he wasn't going to let anyone die on his watch. And he wasn't going to take real estate again for the second time. And there are certain things you just need to settle. I am going to win this battle over this area. And, you know, discipline is not the easiest things to come, come by. But I'm telling you what, if you want to be a champion over certain things, discipline is what you got to practice. And you got to understand we are in a spiritual battles. There's 
there's spiritual warfare going on. And when you learn to discern what's happening spiritually, like for example, in 1988, I went to Africa and to Kenya, Africa. And I, when I landed and started traveling around and, and being a part of the meetings I was doing there with my pastor at the time, I saw the oppression in Kenya. As a matter of fact, going to Kenya, I flew separately from the team and uh, we stopped in um, Amsterdam, Holland. And uh, I had a layover about eight hours there in Amsterdam. Uh, I was flying KLM Airlines. And uh, so I just got in the car and I just drove to the downtown area there in Amsterdam, you know, I, just to be looking at the area. And then I was going to go back to the airport. <clears throat> and there's a red light district down there. There's, you know, prostitution is legal there. And, I, you know, I've never seen anything like that. You know, you go to the window, there are windows and there are women advertising themselves and there are men walking in there. And I'm thinking, wow, this is mess, messed up stuff. And I saw men going in there had wedding rings on. And uh, I'm thinking, man, th- this is not only wrong as far as spirit, I mean, morally and to the word of God, but then the revelation came to me, this is going to mess you up. Because that woman in there has been with how many men? And you're going to go in there and be with her. And this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing that's about to happen to you. And uh, I just, it, just, it just opened my eyes to, to that sexually. You know, and I wasn't you know, married or anything. And a long time before I met Sheila. And, uh, but I, I got a revelation of it spiritually. I got a revelation when I went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, you know, to the Gettysburg, you know, to the Civil War battlefield where all those, that's the most bloodiest battlefield in America. And uh, walking those fields, you could just sense the death. And thousands and thousands of men died in those areas where I was walking. But I went over to the place where Abraham Lincoln made his famous speech, which was real short. And I stood right there where President Lincoln was stand, stood and made his speech. And I felt the peace of God. And I felt healing. And when you learn to discern these type of environments spiritually, it makes you strong. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget going to, to Liberty Hall there and Independence Hall there in Philadelphia. And you just took a sense of, man, this is freedom. God had a destiny here. The same thing we went to Carver, Massachusetts, to the, to the Mayflower, to the Plymouth Rock, William. It's awesome. You're sitting there at that rock thinking, man, about 120 people came on that ship, and it wasn't a luxury liner. It was just a little boat. And they came over here, and they had a dream to make America, you know, the nation they wanted it to be. And, um, you know, you, you just sense that spiritually. But then you can go to other places. You can feel the oppression of things. You can feel how it pull you down. I mean, you know, again, there are places and certain places like, you know, I, it doesn't bother me going to a, a cemetery uh, because I know there's nobody there. <laughs> so, I mean, they're all gone. You know, there's just, there's just dust there. Okay, somebody asked me the other day, well, what about cremation, Pastor Brian? You can be cremated if you want to, if you don't have to be. But in 20 years, you're going to look like you've been cremated. That's the sort of way it works. But you do whatever makes you feel good and whatever, you know, makes your family feel good. But it's all going to be dust, okay? I never forget when I was with George Washington's house. And I'm thinking, man, George Washington is buried right there. And I thought, if we dug him up, what would he look like? And it'd be a box of dust. 
<laughs> unless he had a metal belt on or something like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, that's the way it all works itself out. But then, then these places that I've been able to travel to, I've sensed good and I've sensed bad. And I want you to know, as you learn to do that in your own life, wherever you go and whatever you do, you learn to sense where the enemy is or sense what's good and what's bad and where God is present and where evil is present. Then you learn to discern, I'm telling you what, and your strength in the Lord is your dependency, then that environment will not pull you down. I mean, you can go into a negative place. You can go to an impressive place. But if you're strong in the Lord, I mean, how many times I went to Congress and felt the oppression there, oppressiveness there in the halls of Congress and been to the White House and felt the same thing. And it didn't matter who was president at the time. It was just there was oppressiveness. There was a pull. There's a spiritual tugging. There's warfare going on. And how are you going to respond and react? I dressed in the armor of God. I dressed in the power of God. And I depended on the presence of God. And when you do those things, you can walk in any environment. Spiritual warfare is simply two things. It's offensive and it's defensive. And offensive warfare is tearing down strongholds that the enemy has formed in our lives and in our minds. And we're going to work on that. We're going to show you some practical things to get strong in that because I'm telling you what the battle is in, the, in your mind. And we're going to get to a place where defensive warfare is the guarding of your mind. And when you guard your mind, you can repel all these accusations. By the way, this is good for you to learn spiritually because if you keep holding bitterness in the past, I'm telling you what, it will destroy you. You have got to learn to let things go. And this is my word to you as we get ready for communion. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive the past. And you've got to move on. You've got to move forward. You say, well, I failed. I did this or this happened or I don't understand why that happened. And uh, I was doing an interview for a magazine yesterday. Uh, they interviewed me about what was going on. Anyway, and I'm not here to talk about that. But I just said in my closing, I said, here's my simple thing. 2020 is in the past and 2021 is here and I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back. That's my opinion about all this. And whatever happens ahead, I'm going to deal with it in the Lord, in the trust I have in God, not in the trust I have in man. And that's the thing about Christianity. We can forgive, we can forget, and we can move forward. But if you don't strengthen yourself in that ability, then Satan's going to always pull you back. I have constantly, friends of mine, I went to high school, they send me notes. Brian, do you remember what we did when we was in the 10th grade? No, I don't. I don't remember what I did in 11th grade. I barely think about things I did last year, okay, <laughs> sometimes. I, I, I got my mind going this way, okay? I mean, thank God I remember the past. I mean, I'm a, man, I'm a remember of dates. I can remember all those things, and I remember all the good things of the past. But, man, I'm looking to the future. I'm looking to hope. I'm, I've got goals set for my life that when I get 60, when I get 65, when I get 75, I mean, if Jesus tarries, stronger, healthier, wealthier, doing more, being more, providing more. That's my goals, and I'm expanding it by, beyond myself. And looking to things, well, could I do this? Do, do I go back to school? Do I get another degree? Or do I write another book? Or what else? What you know, other things? Listen, I'm expanding myself. And all of it's in the strength of a knowing, growing relationship with the Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you. We depend on you. Our life should be anchored in you. And I pray for every person right now in the sound of my voice, either in this auditorium or watching, that their relationship with you would be strong. Their relationship with you would grow stronger. 
And right now, we commit that to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those watching, would you be reverent for just a moment with us, please, if you can? And if there's anything in your life that hinders your relationship with the Lord, that prevents you from being strong, for prevents you from walking in this armor, prevents you from understanding the strategies of the enemy against you and the goodness of God for you, I just want you to forgive yourself and forgive that person or persons. As a matter of fact, all of us say this together as a form of commitment. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for anything in my life that would hinder my relationship with you. I commit my life and all that I am to you and everything. I trust you. I depend upon you. And I look to you for the answers. And I thank you for mercy. I thank you for grace. And I thank you for goodness that Jesus, you are Lord. Satan, you are defeated. And God's word is life to me in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to know it's a step towards faith in God. It's a step towards peace in God. It's a step towards joy in God. And if you can get your elements, if you're watching us and those in the auditorium, if you do not have an element, raise your hand and uh, get that element ready. Just hold it right now. Uh, for those who do not have an element, just raise your hand. We've got some people on the front row here, and they will give you that. Just hold on to a minute. Get your cup ready, and uh, we're going to pray, and we're going to seal this strength in the Lord through remembering what Jesus did for you and I. Dave over here is raising his hand. Um, I'm looking out the window. I see Bernie Sanders sitting in a chair. I think he needs communion elements. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, for <laughs> anyway. It's all Dave's fault. He's the one who started all this stuff. So. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've seen this week. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> anyway, as a matter of fact, I just uh, I just thought about that picture they had of the Last Supper. And they, <laughs> they had Bernie Sanders in there. <laughs> Some Americans got too much time on their hands. That's all I will say. <laughs> Anyway, and all of y'all are guilty because half of them I got from y'all. <laughs> so, <laughs> especially Dave Nolette. Anyway, and Shelby, I'm like, what are you two doing over there at your house? Anyway, <laughs> anyway it was good. As a matter of fact, it's the funniest thing I've seen all week. I laughed and laughed and laughed. I'm telling you what. Anyway, and by the way, I appreciate y'all's creativity. And by the way, if you've not seen it, we'll maybe Taylor show it to you after the service for those who don't have Facebook. Anyway, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. He said in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, he said, I've received from the Lord. And so true, Dave and I have talked about this. He said he received this from the Lord. That didn't mean he get it from man, he got it from the Lord. And Dave and I preached this before. He says, I've delivered to you on the night that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was betrayed, he took bread, which you're holding in your hand. And he had the, the juice. And this is what Jesus said. He said, take, eat, and do this in remembrance for me, in remembrance of me, for this is my body broken for you. God loves us. Jesus loves us. And his body was broken for us. Do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. And then he said the same thing about this cup. This cup is in the new covenant. Everybody say the new covenant. And the new covenant, ladies and gentlemen, I beg you to read the New Testament. Listen. You can start in the Old Testament. You can start 
in other places, but when you start reading what the Apostle Paul saw, and he had a revelation of this covenant that we have with God, and it's good. It's what compels me to do what I do, not because I'm called, because of who I am. I, I belong to the Lord. I'm his son. I'm not a Jacob's. I'm a son of Abraham through Jesus Christ. That's the way I look at my life every single day. And yes, I've aspired to do great things and aspiring. However, it says this new covenant is in my blood. So I just want us to reflect and remember on the greatness of our Father God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you need healing in your body, then you receive what Jesus has already done for you. If you need peace based on your commitment of a while ago and that dedication, then let's just seal that peace and let's leave here operating in the peace of God, not the pressure of this world. Because pressure is coming. I, I just want to say this. To more people that are retired, I see more pressure on retired people than I do working people. You know why? Because working people can busy themselves. They can stay focused. My mamma taught me a lesson. She lived to 96 and she said this, Honey, mamma can't get depressed. Mamma can't get discouraged. I said, Why is that, mamma? Because mamma's on the move. <laughs> mamma get up, cook breakfast when there was nobody else in her household. She cooked breakfast for one dog, one cat, and 27 guineas every single day. I, my daddy used to fuss at her. Mama, mama, why are you up there cooking that breakfast for all them dogs and cats? Because I want to, and it gives me purpose. And when I walk out the door at 8 o'clock, I go down to the shop. Then I go water. Then I go check on the greenhouses. I've got 67 cows. I feed them apples every day at, eight, at, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You talk about 67 pets. Here they came. All that. Four, and, then, and here's Mama, and 95 years old, with a walker out there just stabling herself because of the pasture. And she's feeding those cows the, the strippings of the apple. And those tongues are, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because that was her purpose. She told me many times, she said, if I go in there and I watch that TV for more than 15 minutes, I am going to be discouraged. So she would cut the TV on and get on the phone and call people and wait till 10 o'clock, watch the weather from 10 to 10, from 10.15 to 10.20, say her prayers and go to bed at 10.30 and get back up at 6.30. Bam, what a life to live. I love it. And the only reason she left this earth because everybody died around her and all her family and friends left. She said, I'm just going to go on to heaven, son. She, didn't go, she called me honey. Nobody else has called me honey except for Mamaw. She said, honey, Mamaw's going to go and I'll leave you here and I'll see you on the other side. And she went to sleep one night and didn't wake up. Hallelujah, what a life to live. Isn't that awesome? You said, well, that's just one person. No, that's a person with simplicity living for the absolute best of God. Oh, I tell you what, a hero in my eyes, but a child of God in his. Amen. Take that body and break it, and let's remember him. Lord Jesus, we receive what you did for us so that we can live long and live strong. Let's eat together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. Oh, without the blood, there's no remission of sins. But with the blood, there's total forgiveness, total healing, and total health. And we all receive it, whether we're watching or in this auditorium. We receive it now in your name. Let's drink together in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you in your name. Amen. Our ushers is coming around to get the cups from you and
William's going to close this service out. Thank you so much for being here today. We're honored that you came today. If we need anything of the prayer of agreement or anything to pray about or anything to help you, encourage you with, please, please, please let us help you, okay? Some of you are seeking jobs and, and, and employment transitions this year and other things. I want you to know I am praying James 1.5 over every single one of you. And for those that are working jobs, I'm also praying the strength of Philippians 4.13, that you'll enjoy where you are and not endure it. I don't know why, but in the last week, specifically, the Lord's laid on my heart, praying over everyone in our church family as far as their employment situations, okay? So I'm specifically praying over that. And by the way, even though you may not be working a job, you may be like Amber and a full-time mother, that is a job within itself, okay? That is the highest job there is, all right? Motherhood. And if you're if you're working a job and you're still being a mother, then you're doing two jobs, then I'm praying double, okay? <laughs> and if you're like Miss Linda, you're an intercessor of prayer, and at the same time, you're with your husband, and you're doing what you're doing, or Miss Bonnie, or whatever the situation be, it's all important, okay? It's all important. You're valuable to the kingdom of God, and you're valuable to me because I'm telling you what, this is our year of victory, and we're going to move forward and we're going to be God's children and live in God's best. And I love you, and I want you to come back next week because we are going to count this down, and we are going to get stronger in the dealing of our minds, okay? I want you to have the strongest mind you have ever had in your Christian life. And if you'll give me just two weeks to work on that, I'm going to get you strong up here because if I get you strong here, you'll be strong down here. Everything else will flow, will it not, William? You'll be strong, and you'll be able to fight anything and face anything. Do I mean you'll eliminate problems? No, we're not going to eliminate problems, but guess what? We're going to overcome them. We're going to overcome them. We're going to do that in the power of God and the peace of God. And there's just one last thing I want to leave with you. I want you to enjoy your life and not do it. That's something that's strong on my heart as a pastor, for you to enjoy Christianity. We enjoy Christmas, do we not? But then we rush through it. Then we have to pull all the day. De- I mean, I did not like taking all the decorations down. I like Christmas. I do. I really do. It's fun. No, I don't worship Santa Claus and all that stuff, you know, but Santa was a pretty good guy, even though he needed to lose some weight. I tell you, he had a little belly going on there. But anyway, Christmas is awesome, but we only celebrate like 21 days, it seems like. And we pull it all down. And now the house is so empty as far as, you know, it's just plain. Man, I want to have Christmas 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What's Christmas? Christmas is celebrating, Christmas is giving, and Christmas is enjoying. And I think we should be doing that as Christians. And I'm convicted by that. We're going to wait all the way to December the 15th and start it all over again. But what about February 15th, William? What about March 15th, April 15th? Oh, that's tax day. I'm really discouraged about that. No, 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 no. What about July 15th? Oh, it's so hot here, Pastor Brown. I tell you, it's like hell here living in Texas. What? Cut the air conditioning on and quit complaining about it, okay? I want you to endure. Hear my heart as a pastor, as a shepherd. I'm serious. I am fighting for you to enjoy your life. When was the last time you had a good laugh? Huh? Quit being so serious about everything. When's the last time you went to Dairy Queen and had a blizzard? Seriously, when's the last time you did something good for yourself? And I'm not talking about going to Dairy Queen. Man, Pastor Brian, I'm going to, Pastor Brian said we go to Dairy Queen. I'm going every single day. No, I don't want you to get big as a barn, okay? But <laughs> don't take what I said and twist it. I'm just saying enjoy it. Just so what if your car's not paid for? It's still your car. Enjoy it. Go wash it, clean it, okay? If your house is not paid for, enjoy it. 
Enjoy it. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm hearing God on that. Listen, I, I think that's a strong word that you need to hear as a pastor, as a friend, as a brother. So let's go enjoy it in Jesus' name. William Henry, come on up here and close this service. William, you and I are doing this class on Wednesday nights. Yes, we are. And we're going to have a, several other people join us via Facebook. Yeah. But as you close out this service at 20 after, any thoughts you have about that class, please share. Uh, it's phenomenal. I would encourage you guys to come. If you can't come on Wednesday nights, you can always join. We're doing Zoom. That's right. So we can get you the link. We can get you the journal. Um, it's, a, it's a good journey, and, and it will help you to, to develop the habit and the discipline to visit with God every day. And that's really what this is about, is just, is just helping people to, to realize right. how to put the armor of God on, which is, like you said, that's supposed right. to dress in it every day. That's it. So uh, Thank you, Wib. Thank you, man. So I hope you guys will come and join us either online or if you're at home, you can join us online or, or come in. Um, speaking of uh, being here this morning, what a wonderful day it is to be in church. Uh, so glad that you guys are here and those of you that are watching at home. And uh, Bernie, thanks for showing up. Uh, if anybody sees him, I don't know where he went. He left a mitten at the back, uh, and I think Belinda's got a gift for him. Um, so if you are a guest, and Bernie should have done this, we have a, a red card. I can pull this out. Like this. If you could fill this out for us and, and just leave it back here, we've got a gift for you. And uh, Bernie, let Bernie know. Also, giving. We have uh, an envelope you can put in the box at the back. We also have text to give. And then uh, we've also got uh, the giving kiosk back here with Danita. Um, also, Miss Sheila's birthday is Thursday. So if you're so inclined, uh, it would be much appreciated if you could remember that. Maybe bring something, give something, say something, send a note, do something kind. Um, anyway, if you guys would all just stand with me, I'd love to pray for you. I was thinking about something that uh, Pastor Brian was talking about earlier with music. I think one of the things, uh, the reason that music is so powerful, if we remember, the enemy actually was uh, the choir master. And, and so when you're thinking about the music that you're listening to, I just want to encourage you to remember that and that he uses that against us. And so listening to music that, that is bad or doesn't, doesn't uplift, doesn't encourage, uh, that's the work of him. That's, that's what he's talented in, and he steals us with his tongue. And so just remember that. It, whatever it is that you're listening to, I know that there's you know, a lot of great music out there and you know, instrumentals or whatever. Or I don't know. Some people like Metallica or whatever. But uh, just remember that, that there's a lot of good Christian music that you can listen to. You can find all different genres. Um, I can help you with that. i got a whole big playlist of all kinds of stuff. Um, I just want you to be encouraged. And, and don't, don't end your day with something negative like that. And just remember that it is powerful. And the words that you speak over yourself, what you listen to, and what you bring into your life is powerful. And I just want to encourage you to bring good things. I mean, we have a lot of stuff going on. I'm a product of that sometimes. I get caught up in it. But the truth is that God is still on the throne, and he will always be there. And he loves us, and he wants us to trust in him. So, Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Today is a day that you've made just as every day is, Lord. We thank you for every breath. We thank you for the good things in our life, Lord. There's a, there's a fallen world around us, Father, but we have this church family to join hands with, Lord, and, and just join in faith with you, Father, just in communion, Lord, just to encourage one another and go out and encourage our community, Lord. We just ask that you continue to convict us, Lord, to, to show up, Lord, and if anybody's convicted to come on Wednesday, Lord, we just encourage you to just push in them, Lord, just put, put that on their heart, Lord, just put labors in their life, Father, people just to guide them to that, Lord, and, and just help them to find a path. And if it's not here, Lord, just for something, Lord, just something to be stronger in you, Lord, just to learn with you, Father, and just grow with you, Lord. We just thank you for all the opportunities in your word, Father, and, and all the wonderful, amazing preachers that are out there, Lord, and uh, good books, Lord, that are written by people that you've ordained, Lord. And we just thank you for the good music, Lord, that, that even though the devil tries to steal that from us, Father, that you reign supreme in all areas of our life, Lord. We just thank you for the opportunity this week 
week to go out and be a light in the world, Lord, and to bless others with your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.